morning and welcome to the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. We've got all the news. We've got our usual guests. And a chat with Richard Dunwoody. Oh, and I nearly forgot. Colin Brown, of course, with all his tips, along with Dave Wilson. Good evening and welcome to the racing show. Um, as usual, we've got all the news and of course we'll have a look at the uh, the Darley July Cup from Saturday and uh, look forward to the next weekend's racing as well. But as usual, we never change on this show. We're going to start with all the racing news from the racing media with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news, that is the news across the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden and here's this week's first story. The Hannans are synonymous with Weatherby's Super Sprint success and Queen Mary Fifth Miami Girl is set to spearhead their team for the £200,000 feature at Newbury on Saturday at 330 Richard Hannan Sr. landed the valuable two-year-old contest a record seven times and Hannan Jr. has followed firmly in his father's footsteps, winning the race four times in eight years, including the last two runnings since taking over the licence in 2014. Miami Girl, owned by Ammo Racing, has the strongest claims of Hannan's five remaining entries in the five-furlong race and gained a second win from four starts in a Phillies condition stakes at Windsor last month. She's a seven-to-one shot with Paddy Power, with the betting headed by dual novice winner Rogue Spirit at five-to-two and seven-to-two second favourite Maria Branwell, who finished third in the Queen Mary. Emily Scott, racing manager for Ammo Racing, said, Miami Girl has run to a good level and she's progressing with every start. She's a very talented filly and put this race to bed well at Windsor. All the experience she has will do her good in a race like this. It's a big pot and the Hannans like to target the race. They know what it takes to do well in it and the fact that they have earmarked her for this says a lot. Ammo Racing, whose Symphony Perfect finished second to stablemate Gubbas in last year's edition, will be double-handed with 16-to-one-shot Girl Magic, a soft-ground maiden winner at air for Alice Haynes on her second start in May, set to take her chance. The similarly-owned Go Bears Go is entered in the bet 365 Hackwood Stakes on the undercard. Scott said, Girl Magic is a really nice filly and looked quite good at air, the ground was quite testing there, but she coped with it rather than needing it. She needed time after that run, which is why we sidestepped the Queen Mary. But she's thrived for that and deserves to take her chance. 
Mojo Star provided one of the highlights of the royal meeting for Kia Jurabchian, whose horses run under the Ammo Racing banner, when a half-length second to Kiprios in the Gold Cup on his return from a 256-day break. That fine effort, a one-pound improvement on his St Ledger second last year on Racing Post ratings, means cup races are likely to be on his agenda, with Mojo Star a general 7-2 shot for the Al-Shakab Goodwood Cup on July 26th. Scott said, He's come out of Ascot in very good shape and we're absolutely delighted with his return. He ran an incredible race. He's such a warrior and everything you want in a racehorse. He proved his stamina for two and a half miles, so all the big cup races are open to him, and the Goodwood Cup has been mentioned, but we have kept options open and left him in a few mile-and-a-half group ones. The Dali pre-morning at Duville on August 21st is a potential next step for star two-year-old Persian Force, who took his record to three to four with a ready success in the Close Brothers July Stakes at Newmarket last week. The manner in which he won was imperious, and he's push-button, said Scott. Richard feels he'll be well capable of staying seven furlongs, so that will give us options later in the season. We're hoping he has a super chance of being a Group 1 winner for Kia. And here's a look at the betting for the Weatherby Super Sprint at Newbury at 3.30 on Saturday. Paddy Power says 5-2 to two for Rogue Spirit, 7-2 to two for Maria Branwell, 11-2 to two Eddie's Boy, 7-1 to one, Miami Girl, 12 Union Court, 14 Dare to Hope, 16 Girl Magic, Looking for Linda, Not for Profit, and Swift Asset with a 20 bar. And next, here on the Racing News. Attendances were down at five of the six racecourses on Super Saturday in Britain compared to the last time crowds were unrestricted in 2019. Only Salisbury's evening meeting bucked the trend as attendances dropped by 13.9% across the day, reflecting the trend of falling crowds in the sport. The weekend is typically one of the busiest of British racecourses, with group race action from Ascot and York supplementing the final day of the July meeting at Newmarket. Chester also staged one of its most popular fixtures, while Salisbury and Hamilton raced in the evening. Newton Abbott was the sole venue in 2019 not to feature this weekend, but the same six meetings attracted almost 86,966 spectators on a similarly warm and sunny day in the pre-pandemic year in comparison to 74,684 on Saturday. A 26% decline at Ascot was the steepest, with a decrease of 4,000-plus spectators for a seven-race card, which featured the Group 2 Summer Mile. Chester reported a drop of more than 5,000 racegoers, while 11,500 witnessed Alcohol Free's July Cup success at Newmarket compared to more than 13,000 three years ago. York attracted the biggest crowd and only a slight decrease, with an estimated 26,500 on course for the historic John Smith's Cup. A spokesperson for the track said, We're grateful for the support of Yorkshire racegoers. At the 63rd time of asking, they were rewarded with another day of exciting racing in glorious weather. Hamilton is experiencing a general 15% decrease on attendances at all fixtures and were disappointed by the weekend's turnout, which was 1,500 down on the anticipated crowd of 5,000. 
Clark of the course, Harriet Graham, said, It was a beautiful night, with lots of children's entertainment and music on afterwards. It was a really good day, but I think it's just a sign of the times. There was no reason not to come. It's the way things are now. We struggle to get runners and struggle to get people to watch. It is a bit worrying. We water well, put on good prize money, and it's a lovely place for the stable staff. We try everything we can do. Salisbury was the only track to report a bigger attendance than in 2019, with the first full ladies' evening since the pandemic, in addition to a post-race concert from an ABBA tribute band, leading to a 22% increase and the course's biggest crowd in five years. The first fixtures were down, probably about 20%, but ladies' evening is like our derby day, said Jeremy Martin, the track's clerk of the course. We were very pleased. There was a real buzz and they gave the horses a cheer as the horses entered the final furlong. It felt like Cheltenham. It made one's hair stand up, which is rare for a small track like us. And next, here on the Racing News. Frankie de Tori will contest his first Dubai duty-free Shergar Cup in six years when he captains the European team in this year's international extravaganza at Ascot. The team competition will feature representatives from 10 nations this time around, with riders from Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Canada, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Britain and Ireland all taking part. De Tori has ridden at the fixture 11 times previously, but not since 2016, and the Italian, who is the most successful active Royal Ascot rider, is excited to spearhead a side which comprises of compatriot Antonio Frezu, as well as last year's pre-delarc de triomphe winner René Peicilek from Germany, and nine-times champion Spanish jockey José Luis Martínez. He said, It's been a few years since I've ridden in the Dubai duty-free Shergar Cup and I'm looking forward to it. I love Ascot and it's always a great day, so I hope people put it in their diary and come along to have a good time and enjoy something different. The European team looks really strong. I remember when we won it in 2014, it was a really special day and hopefully we can lift the trophy again this year. The Great Britain and Ireland team will be captained by Jamie Spencer, who will be joined by Danny Tudhope, Neil Callan and Kieran Schumark. Hayley Turner will once again captain the ladies' team as they try for a fourth success in the competition. Last year's Alistair Haggis Silver Saddle winner Nicola Curry and multiple Royal Ascot winner Holly Doyle will feature, along with Canadian star Emma Jane Wilson, who has appeared at the Shergar Cup six times, including when on the winning side in 2015. Turner said, I love the Dubai duty-free Shergar Cup. It's always one of my favourite days of the year. It's great for the event to have lots of international riders travelling over for the day again, and I'm excited to have Emma Jane back again on our team. Winning last year for the third time was really special, as they let me keep the trophy which I've now got at home. The ladies look strong again with Holly and Nicola, so hopefully we can retain the crown and win the new trophy as well. The rest of the world team features two of Japan's leading riders at the moment in Takeshi Yokoyama and French-born Christophe Lemaire, who represents Japan as a JRA licensed jockey. 
They are joined by three-time Melbourne Cup winner Kerin McAvoy from Australia and New Zealand Jason Collett, who has enjoyed a good season in Sydney. Nick Smith, Director of Racing and Public Affairs at Ascot Racecourse, said, This is an exciting year for the Dubai duty-free Shergar Cup, which is breaking new ground with an extended race programme of eight races, more jockeys riding and more prize money on offer than ever before. In fact, with £500 available to the horses that finish 11th or 12th and no entry fees, it is all upside for running in these unique races. Additionally, we will also have our stable bonus scheme in operation for the second time following the King George, with £20,000 going to the three leading trainers on the day and £5,000 to their staff. This has been the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Please do join us again for the next edition of the Racing News. That was Mike Padden with all the Racing News from the Racing Media. And now, as usual, it's time to find out where we can go racing this weekend. Well, there are seven races on the flat at Newbury with a 1.15 start. Seven races over the jumps at Market Raisin, 1.35 start. Seven races on the flat at Newmarket on the July course with a 1.42 start. Seven races on the flat at Ripon, 1.46 start. Seven races over the jumps at Cartmel with a 1.54 start. Seven races on the flat at Chester, a 1.59 start. Three races on the flat at the Curra with a 2.35 start. Seven races on the flat at Doncaster with a 5.45 start. And six races on the flat at Haydock with a 6.30 start. And Sunday, there are eight races on the flat at the Curra with a 135 start. Seven races over the jumps at Newton Abbott, 145 start. Seven races over the jumps at Tipperary in Ireland for a 150 start. Seven races over the jumps at Stratford with a 157 start. And finally, six races on the flat at Redcart with a 205 start. So who was it that said that there was not enough racing going on these days? Ah then, for our little chat this week, we're going to have a chat with Richard Dunwoody about his dealings with Freddie Starr, amongst others. So what was Freddie Starr like to ride for? I imagine a bit of a laugh, I suppose, wasn't he? Uh, Freddie was was great. Um, All I I remember, he wasn't there. He was was doing a, um, apparently doing one of his shows down in Brighton. Yeah. So always remember the the interview. after the race, Desmond Lynham was interviewing Martin. I was stood alongside him, and then he started interviewing me. And as um, he was interviewing me, Martin's phone call um, started ring, and um, he answered it, and it was Freddie Starr. Hmm. So he's having a conversation with Freddie. I'm speaking to Desmond Lynham. <laughs> then suddenly Martin, Martin ha- hands me the, f- the phone. And all I could hear was just this mad, it almost barking down down the other end of the phone. It was it was Freddie who was going absolutely crazy. And uh, I got to meet him a couple of times, and yeah, really nice chap. Really, and it was very sad what happened to him. You know, yeah. he passed away a couple of years ago. And, That's right. Yeah, yeah very very sad. 
So look at it. I'm just looking very quick. I mean, you've got so many big winners here. It's a job to know which one to sort of home in on, really. Obviously, the two national winners were, were, were something special. But um, uh, four Gold Cups, uh, sorry, uh, King George's. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, first one, 89 on Desert Orchid. Is that right? Yeah, um, I was very lucky. Uh, all the jockeys that uh, before we got on, um, on Desert Orchid, um, fortunately for me, ended up retiring. And the first, of course, Colin Bryan was his m main rider for for a long time. Yeah, um, had him when he was very headstrong. He was he used to pull uh, very hard. Uh, Desert Orchid it was very very keen, as we say, in racing. And um, so Colin rode him to begin with over hurdles, then over fences. Uh, then Colin retired. Simon Sherwood got the ride, won nine races out of ten on him. The only time he was beaten was at Liverpool. He fell that day. Mm -hmm. And um, and then Simon retired. And fortunately for, for me, uh, David Nicholson was very good. Said I was stable jockey to him at the time, but he said, if, if you get the ride on Desert Orchid, take it. I'll do my, my best to, to make sure you can ride him every time. And um, David Ellsworth and, and the, the Burridge family, um, asked me to ride him, so big privilege, a lot of pressure. Um, obviously, he was the like the the nation's favourite. He was grey, stood out. Everyone loved him, and um, yeah, it was magic. It was um, two brilliant days um, when he won the King George's around around Kempton. He also won a, a race called the Racing Post Chase uh, there, and he was he was fantastic. He loved he loved Kempton. And and what you know, he was always made out to have a, a real character of a horse because, um, you know, not all horses have got a, sort of a, a strong character. Did you find that with him? Was he, he his own man? Did he sort of do what he wanted? To yeah, he was. He certainly was. From the first time I I got on him, I I found that out straight away. He was his own man, as you say. <laughs> he wanted to show who was boss. Yeah. And they, the the first time I rode him, I was at David Ellsworth's um, on the gallop, circular gallop, uh, when Ryan once and. Brendan basically told me, Brendan Parley, and I think he, Brendan ridden him out a couple of times as well, but Rodney Bolt used to ride him, um, David's head lad, and got on with Desert Orchid very, very well and was able to hold him. But all the jockeys that came, he ended up running away with them, and uh, he did the same on me. Very embarrassing <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um, but um, fortunately, he was a lot better to ride on a race course than he, he was at home. Um, the hardest bit probably about riding him on the course was actually getting him down to the start when he, he could be very keen. Mm. Um, but in a race, he, he normally jumps superbly, and um, he sort of left it to him. And certainly around Kempton, he, he knew the course so well. Uh, he, he knew what was re required of him, and he was, he was fantastic to ride. Big privilege. And how did he compare to one man who you also won it on twice? Yeah, one man was a slightly, yeah, a very, very good horse. Um, but ran in Gold Cups and, and certainly didn't get home both both times I rode him in the in the Gold Cup and then he went back to two miles and won the won the champion chase at, at Cheltenham. But in the King George, um, he won well uh, at, at Sandown. The, the race had been cancelled at uh, Kempton um, Boxing Day and postponed to uh, to be run sort of about two weeks later at, at Sandown. It was brilliant. That, I have to say that time that was the first time I rode him. I uh, went back to the race the same year then uh, at Christmas and won the next King George. And he was he was a good horse. You know, Mr. Mulligan was, was second to him, fell at the last, would have been second uh, with mm. Tony McCoy. And uh, he was a very, very classy horse. But he just didn't get, whereas 
Desert Orchid did get a trip, you know, we say three mm. miles, three and a quarter, quarter miles, winning the Gold Cup. Uh, one man was was probably best at two and a half, two and three quarter, quarter miles, or a flat three miles, really. Now, I'm getting all my information from Wikipedia. I expect you've come across that in your time. Um, according to this, it says you, you had 1,874 winners in, in 2000, and you retired in 2002. I retired before that, actually. I, I retired in 99. Um, that was, that was um, my, my last rides were at Perth. I have um, a couple of winners, and then I went to, to America. I had a problem with my neck, uh, 98 and 99, reoccurred in 99, early 99. And I went to a guy, a kinesiologist in um, America after those th three winners at Perth, and he basically said, your neck's in not very good shape, and I advise <laughs> that you retire. And I spent about three months then, September, October, November, sort of running around a lot more doctors trying to get different opinions, yeah. someone that might get me back into, into shape. Uh, but it didn't happen. I actually officially retired in December nine, 1999. Sad day, I imagine, for you, was it? Yeah, it was. It was hard, but it, you know, as a as a jump jockey, you're you're lucky if you know if you you certainly in those days. Um, John Franken retired sort of early 30s, I think. Uh, being champion so many times, but um, at that stage, we always said if you can make 35, you've you've done well, yeah. and that was. That was the I was I was 35 at the time, so I'd love to have ridden till I was 40 or even more, but you know it wasn't possible at the time, and that's that's how it goes. You know, you play sport, you yeah. you will have an early retirement. So um, um, yeah, it's sad, but you've got to move on and you've got to do other things. That's that's just part and parcel of it. Occupational hazard, I guess, and I, I suppose you've probably got a list of bones and um, breaks that you've had from falls. Um, not too bad, really. Um, really. Yeah. I don't. I know AP um, Tony McCoy um, broke many, many bones. Um, yeah. I'm sure Skew broke quite a few. Peter Scudamore. I was very, very lucky. I broke two bones. Broke a bone in my, I had my hand, and um, did my sternum as well. I had oh. a horse um, land on me, yeah. and uh, fractured my sternum. But I was, I was very, very lucky. Obviously, you have concussions. Obviously, I had the injury with the neck that forced me to retire but uh as far as um you know breaking bones i was i was really lucky yeah oh, that's interesting and um just just going back to so 1874 is that about right for the number of winners or you, you, you... uh yep that's um that includes um ireland i think um the winners in ireland the winners it was i rode one 1699 winners in in the UK, yeah. uh, but then I was riding first first jockey sort of those last three four years for Edward O'Grady, Dermot Weld in Ireland, and I was lucky had a had a, a couple of you know really good seasons in in Ireland as well. Uh, rode for Willie Mullins a bit, um, brilliant horse called Florida Pearl as as well. So um, yeah, it was it was a great way. Those last three or four years were definitely most most enjoyable years of of my career. No, I'm right, Sarah. I know AP's about four thousand odd, isn't it? I think winners. Have I got yeah, that yeah. Right? he's um, four thousand. Yeah, just put show, shows my uh, <laughs> the, the standard. It's, uh, I was, I think, I had, had the most winners when when I retired. But um, AP very soon passed it. I think it was. It only took him to about two thousand and two before he he passed my record. And yeah, yeah absolutely amazing. Both what AP has achieved, but also Richard Johnson now. Um, 
you know, the amount of winners they've, they've run absolutely incredible. So where, where does your 1800 odd sort of stand in, in the ratings with, you know, up, I, I think um, there's Ruby and there's Barry Garrity. I think they've, they've passed me. So if I'm fifth or sixth at the moment, I think that's, that's around where I am. Yeah. Well, that's not bad, is it, Richard? Christ, I mean, not bad, but know. hey, the thing that gets me is when I look at it, you know, 18 Cheltenham Festival winners, two Grand Nationals, four King Georges, you know, a, ch a champion. Her, it's, it's just incredible that you, there's probably not a big race that you haven't won, I should think, isn't it? Um, yeah, there were there were one or two, but uh, Champion Chase was was probably top of the list for for me, and and. Also, because I'd finished sort of second and third in it quite regularly, I, I think I, I was placed in the champion chase about six, seven, eight times, um, but never managed to win it. Um, obviously, missed, missed out on that one, Scottish Grand National. But, uh, yeah, I was, as we go back to start, I was very, very lucky. And then I had some great horses to ride. And, you know, I was, look back and there were, there were great days, you know. Just, just a pretty average jockey, really. Let's, let's, let's not go more than that. That's what I keep saying, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I fell off a lot as well. Don't worry about that. Six hundred and eighty-two falls to add to all those winners. Oh, you kept, so, a, um, you kept a count, did you? <laughs> I kept a kept a record of it and um, kept a record of all my rides. I, I got that from our stable jockey at the time, Hill Davis at, at Tim Foster's. He always kept a record of everything he rode and. I did the same. Started started off as an as an amateur and and, and kept a, a file of every ride, put a comment next to it, <laughs> just basically so I could look back on that horse if I was ever going to ride him again. That you know you might pick something mm. up about him, that uh, some, something that would help in the future. And um, yeah, did that for, on every horse I rode. Well, that was Richard Dunwoody talking about Freddie Starr and Desert Orchid. What an interesting man. Now it's time to catch up with our flat racing correspondent, uh, Richard Phillips. Good afternoon, Richard. Welcome to the show. Um, good afternoon. How are you? Having a good week? Yeah, not a bad week. Pretty hot. Uh, horses cope pretty well in this weather on the whole, but as long as you get them hydrated. Yeah. Um, nice and cool, yeah, everything's all right. Thoroughbreds are descendants of Arabs, of Arab horses, so um, they're, they're used to the heat. That's no, okay, then. and um, not a not a colossal amount of activity on the racing front this weekend. But we have got the Irish Oaks to look at. Yeah, the Irish Oaks does like a match again between the first and the second in the English Oaks, which of course where um, Tuesday got the better of Emily Upjohn. Uh, this time, Emily Upjohn is odds-on favourite to beat Tuesday. Tuesday sort of uh, disappointed in the Irish Derby. Uh, she's had a lot of racing, bless her, and they've been pretty um, thorough with her over the summer but um, it's between those two and Emily Upjohn, ridden by Frankie Dettori uh, looks the likely winner of the Irish Oaks on Saturday OK, well obviously she, she mucked up a little bit coming out the stalls on, on the, the last time they met um, hopefully Frankie won't make a mistake like that again, or the horse one Yeah, it wasn't really Frankie's mistake but he, he sort of blamed it on one of the reasons that she got behind and she came sort of wide whereas Ryan Moore took the um, the how can I put it, the uh, more dangerous route down here now. And um, so, only being, being a short head, obviously, Emily Upjohn looks as though um, with a clear passage, she probably would have beaten Tuesday that day. But uh, it'll be an interesting event anyway. It seems as though the sabbatical is over now and they're all back on uh, on happy terms again, which is good to see because we all like seeing Frankie coming and doing his, his mounted uh, jump off the horse. 
Yeah, as we said last week, um, I think it was just a case of making sure that uh, Frankie was keeping his eye on the ball, as it were, and uh, getting his regular riding around the world as possible. He's been to America at the weekend, um, rode a couple of placed horses, but um, the fact is that he's getting plenty of match practice. And I think John Gosling was just making the point that if you're competing at the top level, you've got to keep on um, going to the nets a bit, or you've got to go into um, take a few goal shots before the big Open Championship. And uh, I think what John Gosling's point was that you've got to really concentrate on that really hard. So... He made his point, and hopefully they're back together now, and um, they'll, I'm sure they'll be having lots of success together, and let's hope they um, have a great chance in the Irish Oaks. Well, in actual fact, he had a winner yesterday, I think, Frankie did, for, for Gosden, so, uh, all right, not, not a big winner, but uh, a winner last nonetheless. Last night, Elpsford, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's all fine. Now, we've also got the Super Sprint um, up at uh, Newbury, and uh, I take a bit of interest in that because... One of our regular correspondents is, is uh, Rod Millman, and Rod's got two or three horses running in it, and he actually won it the year before last. Um, have you had a look at that race? Yeah, I mean, as ever, it's always a very competitive event, uh, but it's uh, it's one for you know horses that have cost a certain amount of sales, so it's always interesting. Uh, Richard Hannon has a great record in the race, as does Rod. So uh, Rod's got three runners. His best chance would be Safari Dream, who uh, came third, um, behind Swift Asset, who's one of the favourites for the Hannon camp. So, Survival Dream looks like Rod's best chance, but uh, it's always an interesting one, but uh, it's the sort of race that makes bookmakers rich, really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I noticed quite a few of the prices were quite uh, double-digit ones, that's for certain. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult to pick a winner there, so best leave it alone, probably. Richard, I'll tell you, uh, another name that springs to mind has had a hell of a week this week is Rob Hornby. What do you make of that? Well, Rob has been a uh, an inspiration, really. He um, he lost a ride on Westover in um, in Ireland to Colin Keane, but uh, he was very gentlemanly in his approach to it. Um, he realised that um, you know that that the Judmont used other jockeys in Ireland, and Colin Keane was more experienced in that in that country. And he, he was very you know he was very magnanimous about it all. And basically, uh, he, he won a lot of fans. There. He started off with Andrew Balding uh, when he was sixteen. And he's always been a very good jockey. And he's been riding for Rafe Beckett quite a bit in the last few years, including Andrew Balding. And it all came to a head this, this week, really. So um, he won his first Group 1 on Prosperous Voyage. Uh, no, I think his second Group 1, actually, on Prosperous Voyage. And then, of course, alcohol-free in the July Cup on Saturday. So he's had an unbelievable week, Rob Hornby. But uh, no man could deserve it more. And he's certainly won a lot of friends by the way he has conducted himself. And I'm sure he'll go on now to get even better rise and you never know he might be back on Westover again and get another group one victory soon um, now uh, we're, we're roughly what six months into the to the flat racing season I suppose getting on for sort of halfway I mean uh, what have been your highs and lows of the of the uh, the racing we've had so far well I don't think there have been any lows really I can't think of many because it's been an outstanding flat season so far I think yeah um, Ayed looks like the best horse in the world he's so impressive in the lock inch and then at Royal Ascot as well and the Haggis camp think the world of this horse um, owned by Shadwell uh, Baid is a son of See the Stars and looks to be progressing all the time and at some stage this season he's going to step up to a mile and a quarter and he could be better on that trip so Baid we have a superstar horse uh, racing the best in the world I think we had some really good winners of the you know the Guineas Caribus was a very good winner for James Doyle uh, the second string of the Godolphin camp and of course Desert Crown was a very easy winner 
of the uh, Epsom derby. And that was great to see as well. So um, all in all, I think it's been a really interesting flat season. Been very competitive, but there's been some, um, there's been a lot of shared honours, put it like that. And, and plenty to come around the corner? Yeah, I think so. Um, we've got the King George coming up. We don't know um, exactly what this field's going to be, but Desert Crown might well go for that. And, and well, Westover is a horse that um, came uh, third to him in the Epsom Derby. He's won the Irish Derby since. Uh, and Westover, who was ridden by Rob Hornby and the uh, English equivalent, was actually ridden by Colin Keane in Ireland. Westover looks like a horse that will be suited by Ascot. So Desert Crown and Westover will be taking each other on as three-year-olds and against the four-year-olds as well. So uh, there's a few good ones of those coming out. So um, the King George, to me, is always has come out the week after next. That's always a great race uh, where the three-year-olds take the four-year-olds on really for the first time and um, over a mile and a half. And it's great to see. So there's lots to look forward to. And there's, um, without question, it looks like a really good year for flat racing. And Royal Ascot was brilliant. And I've got to ask you, um, we, we, I'm going to ask the same question to quite a few people that comes on the show this week. Um, this, this business is the whip rules being changed. What are your thoughts on that? Um, personally, I've, I've always thought that um, the general public will never really uh, condone hitting an animal um, for sport. And however you like to dress it up, it doesn't look good. Mm. Uh, we know um, these the whip, as it was described, is a, has modified enormously and is, is made of foam, as it were. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, hitting a horse behind the saddle does not look good, never will. And ultimately, you won't be able to do it. There'll become a stage. How many years that'll take, I don't know. I think it's a very difficult situation for racing because the whip um, consultation had some great minds amongst them, all very clear-minded all with their own personal view, and they've come up with, as with all consultations, a middle way. Um, hitting a horse in the backhand is the new uh, rule. So you basically, if you're holding a pencil, uh, you help, rather than um, pointing it forward, you're pointing it, holding it backwards. And therefore, you won't be raising the arm too much to do that. And that will look better to the public. Um, and I think, hopefully, these rules will gradually make more emphasis on a horseman or horsewoman who ever rides a horse being able to use their judgment their skill uh, their physical strength and their guile uh, and their fitness to bring horses uh, home to the best of their ability and there'll be less um, emphasis on the use of the whip or the stick or whatever you like to call it so i think it's a middle way um they're going to disqualify horses that have been hit too many times over the allowed amount. So without being, without being funny, I think that um, hopefully what they've come up with is something that will uh, appease those that wanted reform. But ultimately, I think the um, the whip will be, um, the, you should carry a stick, but not use it behind the saddle. And that's what will eventually happen. Do you, do you think it's, the new rules are, Slightly sort of almost sort of verging on a psychological effect on the horse rather than the jockey, obviously, in so much as that the horse sees the whip, it, albeit if it's, you know, watered right down into something hardly that's going to hurt him at all, but it'll just, you know, um, psychologically jizz him up a bit. Well, they've done research uh, to suggest that um, this is not a welfare issue, uh, 
hitting of a horse. Now, whether you agree with that or not, because uh, a horse's adrenaline, certainly in the finish, uh, doesn't necessarily know uh, that a jockey is um, waving stick or whatever. They are thoroughbred racehorses. They bred to race, hmm. and they like racing that otherwise they wouldn't do it. And any of us who know that um, racehorses have a great life and that human beings give them 24-hour care and can I emphasize it's National Racehorse Week again this year from the 10th to the 18th of September where yards are open throughout Britain so people can see the racehorse in its own environment and see how well they are looked after and how most racehorses have the life that humans should have. I'm sure um, if, if people saw exactly what sort of life a thoroughbred racehorse has, they'd be very comfortable with that. Yeah. But I understand the whip issue has always been uh, a problem to the sport and I do think that um, they've done research to suggest that what is not a welfare issue, but it does not look good when you when you when you hit a horse too regularly or, or at all. Hmm. So um, interestingly, in the old days, Sir Gordon Richards and the greats uh, in the 30s and 40s uh, who wrote, they they hardly ever used the stick. They waved it more. Yeah. Um, they were just encouraging horses to run. Um, yes, under pressure, but not by the force of a stick. Um, the, the stick has been developed. Um, its use has been great jockeys that use a bit more and a bit more uh, sort of mid-century from the 50s onwards, 60s, 70s, where it became um, more obvious in its use. Um, I think it'd be good if we got back to the stage where we, we didn't use it a lot. It was some great jockeys such as Willie Carson and Joe Mercer, who very rarely resorted to stick. Frankie de Tori very rarely really resorts to the stick. It's their balance it's their physical um strength it's their guile it's their horsemanship uh, that get horses home in the same way as rachel blackmore and holly doyle holly doyle rode a horse the other day to win at salisbury i've never quite seen anything like it the horse got headed half a furlong out and holly through just pure strength and balance got the horse up to win again i think hopefully uh in the future that as you know we use less of the uh, the whip that male and female jockeys so we're the only real large sport in the world where they compete on an on a level playing field you still have men's and ladies Wimbledon finals you still have men's and ladies football uh, mm. women's football football with jockeys they are competing on a level playing field and I think the less we use and resort to the stick the more it will be obvious that uh, when it comes to jockeys, there's no real difference between a man or a woman riding them. It is all about their skill, their technique, and their physical prowess. Um, and Holly Doyle being a perfect example, Rachel Blackmore, incredibly professional, fit as they can possibly be, and conduct themselves brilliantly. So hopefully there'll be lots of people, whatever sex they are, that will want to be jockeys in the future, because they're concentrating on doing things that are very professional, i.e. being fit, healthy and putting the horse first and in a way these this uh, whip consultation as they call it is i hope the beginning of that excellent richard thank you that's a very good uh, uh piece on it and i'm sure that hopefully people will get the whole idea of what's going on with it so thanks for that and uh we we'll no look, we'll look forward to speaking to you next week when uh, hopefully there'll be some class one racing for you to comment on absolutely no problem
Well, that was Richard Phillips with his view on the uh, flat racing season so far. And now we're off to Colompton to catch up with Rod Millman, who's got two runners in the Super Sprint at Newbury. OK, well, good afternoon, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the show as usual. A very big weekend for you, I think, coming up. Well, we've got uh, two runners in the Super Sprint, but unfortunately, they're... This year's Super Sprint has been a really competitive renewal. Yeah. Um, there's three horses in there which um, are probably ten pounds higher than normal years. Hmm. Um, they're they're sort of hundred and ten horses, you know, and they'll be very hard to beat. Um, yeah. My my the two I run, uh, being realistically, would be running for prize money. They do pay down the tenth place, so it's well oh. worth having a go. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, you know, if they finish third or fourth, you'd be, you'd be, that's the most you could expect, really, you know. I see Richard Hannon's got three or four in the races. I yeah, mean, he always does. Well, he, don't forget, he buys probably 50 a year for the race. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he would, I mean, Hannon's probably got over 132 roads. Has he? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, you know, so... Um, you know, it's not surprising that he has a good record in it, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But um, but but let's 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 live in dreamland a minute. Of the two, uh, which one do you think stands the best chance of winning? Albeit, you know, what you've got up against. Well, hard to say, really. Um, Wellhampton is a very nice, sharp filly um, who was second in a nice newbie maiden uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, she's she's probably going into the race in her best form. Uh, Safari Dream is a big horse. He's probably more a horse for next year, really. He's sort of a good size, a big horse. Yeah. Um, there's a pound between them at the ratings. Right. Right. So not a lot. That then, tells right? you. That tells you how close they are. They never work together. Mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, train, a lot of trainers we don't work them all together at home to see which is the best because um, all the, all that you would do is probably wreck one of them. <laughs> Mm. And I suppose politics comes into it as well with the owners, doesn't it? No, well, not not really for working wise. You you want the horses to, to do enough work to bring them forward, but you don't want to leave your races at home. No, quite, quite. And um, so we we would we would none of my horses are worked off the bridle at home, so we never really know which is the best. You have mm. you have an idea, obviously, mm. but um, you know we wouldn't we wouldn't have twelve gallops at home here. Um, they, they do in some yards, but we don't. Um, I, I I believe in um, do the best on the track. And it's not an exact science, anyway, is it? For goodness sake, you know. I mean, it's uh, we're, we're talking about no, animals I mean, here. Well, you, you take it. Um, we were lucky enough to have. I I, I bred my old horse, Master Carpenter. He's retired now, and he's gone to stud. He's got a little job with a small stud, and one of my owners let whatever kindly sent one of. The, one of his mares to him. Now the the, the mother was was moderate, uh, but she was well bred. And Mascarpa's first foal has produced two winners now, and mm. we've won two races with him with her. And um, just goes to show you don't need to spend a fortune to be a good racehorse. No, absolutely. And then on Saturday, of course, you've also got the uh, the Stewards Cup at uh, Goodwood. Is Abel Kane still going in that? That's the following. That's a couple of weeks' time. That is. Oh, it's a couple of weeks, is it? I must have read yeah, the dates wrong. Yeah, he's entered. there. Um, Paul Abel Kane. He won a race last the other week, and he won it too well. And he's actually gone up the handicap ten pounds. Uh, yeah. 
but he could run tomorrow at uh, Nottingham on a five-pound penalty. Right. So in theory, six pounds well in, but um, it's an ass, a strong ass because he's probably better over seven furlongs, isn't he? Six furlong race. Yeah. Um, but he's in the Stewards Cup. He only gets a six-pound penalty there, so he's four pounds well in in the Stewards Cup. But you need to have a bit in hand to win that race. Yeah, it's a big race, isn't it? And you know, it's proper cavalry charge, really. But the other thing I wanted to ask you, Rod, I mean, obviously you're aware that they're, they're discussing this question of whips. What's your opinion on the uh, some of the proposals they've come up with? Well, generally speaking, I, I don't normally like outside influences affecting how we train our horses. Hmm. Um, because basically this, this, this has been caused to try to pacify the, un, the uneducated general public in animals. Yeah. Um, the trouble is, they the whip in the 21st century is an out, outdated thing in, in people's mindset. Yeah. Um, it, it's like uh, it's like uh, giving children a smack. Yeah. yeah. Um, a sensible parent having a, a child that's throwing a tantrum. And, a, and a, a, a slap or a threaten of a slap is is often all that's needed. But the trouble is, you can't legislate. For, you've got to legislate for the person who loses their temper with the child. Yeah, quite. Which is totally wrong, obviously. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so basically, basically, it's like whips. Um, I, I think disqualification for overuse of the whip should have been in twenty years ago, in my opinion. Hmm. It's the only it's the only sport you can be you can break the rules and still keep the race, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, quite. And quite. I I also think that any horse that comes off a straight line and impedes the horse beside him, they should be disqualified as well. Yeah. Um, because the problem what's happened ever since Karen Fallon won the guineas on Night of Thunder, where he let the horse drift across the track and won the race, jockeys have. have have been doing likewise, mm. and it cause it can cause a terrible accident if you're behind. Yeah, yeah. You you clip your heels, get pulled down, and there's a poor girl in a coma in Australia at the moment through this. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's it's. But the trouble is, how the rules stand? If the jockey keeps on, as long as the jockey wins the race, he keeps the race, mm. and he might get a ban or a fine, usually a ban actually. But now they're bringing this in about whipping. And I, I'll never forget when the whip rules first came in, I had a second in a pound race at Ascot, and the winning rider broke the whip rules, got suspended, but he kept the race, and I finished second, and I felt it's unfair. Yeah. Um, and also with hitting him in the backhand, that's, that's perfectly okay, so long as everybody... If if you're only allowed to use the back end, backhand, that's fine as long as everyone is. Yeah. Um, because I personally prefer the backhand on a lot of things. It's it's more encouraging for the horse. Um, you can get your stride. You can hit them in the right place easier. It won't look quite so dynamic in the finish. Uh, the jockeys will probably look a bit weaker, but the horses will still get the same winners. Oh, quite. Yeah. And. Um, and it won't look so it won't look so forceful on the eye to the other people because yeah. unfortunately a lot of people a lot of people who, who watch it on television think it's cruel. Yeah. Um, 
and I suppose I suppose you you can say it is possibly, but it's what horses have been doing for hundreds of years, you know. Mm. I mean, is is a whip to, to the horse? Is it slightly more of a, a psychological thing, in so much as he sees the whip in the jockey's hand? You know, especially when they they tap him around the front rather than the rear. I mean, is that something? You know, if you just wave it, is well, that enough? It's encouragement. To get... It's encouragement, isn't it? Yeah. And it's you, you haven't got to hit him hard. Just a few taps behind the saddle. It's like it's like if a horse. If see, see what you do, you must never hit a horse too hard. No. Because. Once he once he realises it's not going to kill him, you just ignore it. Yeah, it's the fear of being hit. Yeah. It's the thing. It's like being. It's, it's like uh, if you raise your voice to people. If you raise your voice, if a teacher raised his voice to you, or the, or the parent did, or someone did. Yeah. If someone shouts at you all the time, you're not going to take any notice of it. But when when someone only does it occasionally, you take notice of it. Yeah, quite. It's like a stick. I mean, you shouldn't you should avoid you shouldn't hit a horse. You shouldn't hit one or hit that one unless it needs it. Mm. And and the fear of being hit is more than the actual pain of being hit, you know? Yeah. So at the end of the day then, I mean, do you, do you envisage much of a change? I mean, obviously the horse getting disqualified is going to keep the owners uh, upset at the jockey if he, if he uses it. So I suppose psychologically it's going to affect uh, the jockeys a little bit more, is it, uh, you know? Well, they'll just have to be more careful, won't they? You have to learn yeah. to count. Yeah, yeah, quite. It's going to learn to count, that's all. Yeah. That's, it's not that hard, is it? No. And no. If you're better off only giving them five if you're in doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. And, and at the end of the day, as long as it's a playing, a playing level playing field, I don't think anybody can complain. It was interesting that they said that uh, had these laws been in place for the Grand National, that uh, he wouldn't have kept the race the winner. No, there we are. But you see, the rules weren't there. Yeah, no, quite, quite. Don't forget, if the rules had been there, the jockey would have been differently. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, then, Rod. Well, thanks um, for that. Um, that's okay. Um, but anyway, no, racing will be a bit more quiet over the next few weeks because the ground runs so fast. So yeah, quite. I mean, newbie on newbie Saturday, they were walking the track very well, but mm. you get the tracks like the, the Brightons of this world and well, the Bass. Yeah, I think races will cut up a bit, a bit you know. Well, we'll have to hope for the best and see what happens, really. But as far as you're okay. concerned, have a good uh, weekend. And I hope Safari Dream or Wolverhampton comes home with the mustard. Well, it'd be nice if it did, you know? Yeah, yeah. OK, Rod, well, thanks, right. thanks for Thank joining us again. And we'll speak to you next right. week, yeah? Bye. OK, Bye. thanks. Well, that was Rod Milman, Dad in Columpton. And um, hopefully he might have the winner of the Sprint Cup on Saturday. Let's wait and see. Wish him all the best. Well, good afternoon, Jamie. Thank you very much for joining us again, as usual. Now, I want you to listen to something a minute. Let me just get it up. How does this sound to you? Because it sounds very good to me. 10th of July. Bucko's Boy, 4th of 7. 10th of July. Donny Azoff, 2nd of 9. 11th of July. Fortunate Fred, 2nd of 9. 11th of July, 1st. Champions Hype, Chapman's Hype, and then 13th of July, Valor Max, second of six. I mean, they're flying in, aren't they? Well, no, they're going well. They're going well, Eddie. They're, they're, they're running well, which is great. Um, obviously, when they're, when they're going well, you, 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 want, you want to convert the, convert the opportunities, but uh, obviously it's a bit of a, bit of a shame that uh, 
that fortunate Fred got beaten a nose. Um, and uh, but, but listen, it's, it's the way it goes sometimes. Donny Azov on the back of 600 days off the track. It would have been lovely to to see him actually, you know, go and win. That would have been some achievement. But to get him back to run as well as he did was was wonderful and a great team effort. So um, no, it's great. Always always good. But um, you know what us trainers are like. We always want more, lady. Yeah, of course you do. But but I remember when we were talking, you know, a few weeks ago now, probably just just after the the official jump racing season finished and then started again but you know you've said that you know it's always a quieter time for you but I mean they, you know to be getting the results that you have from what is basically a limited string of horses is is, is commendable isn't it no it's good. it's good it's always nice to get a get a few a few winners on the board before the start of the season really because um you know they, they all count um but but obviously summer summer racing is is few and far between but um mm. no listen that when winners count whether they're in july or december well exactly now the other thing i wanted to talk about i've been speaking to everybody this morning about it um these new whip rules what are your thoughts on them well it's such a controversial subject isn't it Mm. um you know i i think um i think what 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 the guys have done is great they've obviously put a lot of work and effort and time into it and um and you know it's um it is it, it, probably good for, for the industry. Um, I suppose the, the do-gooders out there are always going to want to go at something, and if they're not going at this or they probably don't think it's harsh enough, they'll probably go for something else. And you know what it's like. Mm. The industry is always under a bit of bit of pressure, and, and um, animal welfare is at the top of everybody's priorities, whether you're in the sport or against the sport. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the pro-cush stick... Um, it's so cushioned. Um, you know, it's the, it is not an animal welfare issue. No. Um, so, listen, if if it tries to appease the the, the dig gooders amongst them, then so be it. But um, I think it's much ado about nothing, really. It's um, it's a pro cush stick, and it doesn't hurt. So, mm. um, what are mm. we complaining about? But you know, it, it seems as though the only people that I mean. Rod Milmore, I was talking to this morning, and he was saying that he, he couldn't understand why we were discussing the, the issue, for example, of disqualifying a horse if the jockeys are banned for, you know, bad riding for, for or, or misuse of it or whatever. Then it, it seems logical that the horse should be disqualified. Um, although I suppose some people might argue, well, it's not the horse's fault that the jockey misbehaved, so to speak. But I mean. You know, the, the owners, they're the ones that are going to basically lose out big time if you get a horse disqualified, aren't you? Yeah, I don't think disqualification is is, um, is right, personally. Um, but then I think I think counting to, you know, putting a, a number on it is wrong as well. I think it should be up to the steward's discretion to work out whether it looks right or looks wrong. If it looks wrong, the jockey the jockey gets a, gets a ban or a fine. If it looks right, then it's then it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think putting a number on it kind of clouds clouds the subject slightly. Yeah, I mean, when you were a jockey, did you did you, did you tend to use the whip that much? I mean, was it something that you you looked upon as being long, an essential long, long, kit? Long, so. long time long time ago now, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, listen, um, I think I probably only only got done once. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Them. So I, no, I I I don't think I. I, I was um, the wrong end of the law, but I think putting a number on it is putting a, a number on it makes it right or wrong. Yeah. And 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 when you, and then when it's wrong, people are going to say, well, they should have been a 
you know, it should have been chucked out or they should have been disqualified. Or I think a number on it is wrong. You know, when you, when you see a, when you see a jockey rider race and you, you watch it, you watch enough racing, Eddie, mm. you know whether it looks right or you know whether it looks wrong. It doesn't yeah. matter the number of times the, the person's hit the horse. You, you know when it... You know when it looks right, and you mm. know when it looks wrong. Yeah. And it should yeah. be up to the steward's discretion to, to, to say that looks wrong or that looks right. Good. Well, thank you, Jamie, for your opinion on that. That's what I wanted to hear. Um, you know, I tend to agree but, with sometimes, you. Sometimes, sometimes too much bureaucracy, too much paperwork, too many rules. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it clouds the subject. Yeah, you know? no, you're right, you're right. And, and, you know, usually if you see a horse that's being whipped, you know, a lot... You, you've only got to look at their legs. I tend to look at their legs, and and, and you can tell that the stride is is weakening and it's, it's shortening all the time. So that that it, by whipping it is making no difference at all because the horse is knackered. He's had it. You know, he's finished now. Yeah, and and if they're doing that, they should look after the horse and not be not be smacking it. Whether yeah. they, you know, that uh, as you say, Ad, that that horse that's tiring and it's and it's only and it's hit seven times. That's within the rules, but yeah. it's it's still wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. You know, especially if wrong. it's not going to do any good. I mean, no. you know, so, that, so that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, so the jockey might the jockey might be within the rules of racing. Yeah. But but actually, he's hit it seven times. That's wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's an it's an interesting topic. That's for sure. But um, I guess it's not as you say. It's not uh, going to uh, go uh, away. The, 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 uh, it's not going to go away. Everyone's got an opinion about it. Um, at the end of the day, it's a pro push stick, and it doesn't hurt. So move yeah, on. Yeah. Okay, Jamie. Thanks for that, sir. Um, I think you've got. You've only got one. Is it over the weekend? I think. Did I see or did I imagine? Yeah, Piscop Pike in the in the big the big summer hurdle. Yeah. Big race of the summer. Got a good chance. Yeah, he's about eight to one, I think. So yeah, hopefully he'd have a decent chance. Yeah. Okay. Well, the way you're going at the moment, there's every chance you could win it. So uh, I might well, even have to fun. venture a fiver on it. I don't know. We'll have to see. Go for it, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Jamie. I'll speak to you next week. Good Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Bye. 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 Well, now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing for his selections for tomorrow. Well, good evening, Dave. Lovely sunny day today. Yeah, I was uh, just going to get a little bit hotter over the weekend, so hmm. uh, just uh, keep your sun hats on, keep your sun cream on, and uh, keep hydrated. Um, I'm not too sure how hot it's going to get at the weekend. Uh, varying uh, rumours how hot it's going to be, but we shall see. But yeah. we've got some nice racing on at the weekend. Got the Irish Oaks on over at the Curra. Got a couple of Class 1s on at Newbury and uh, one at Newmarket. So we're going to have a look at them. And uh, last week we had a couple of nice winners go in. So we're keeping the ball rolling from the week before when we had four out of six. So... Uh, we're having a good run at the moment. Yeah, including Chindit, no less. Yeah, the old Chindit won again for us. Yeah. He's, a, he's a cracker, he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> OK, we'll mate, so uh, we're going to Newbury first then, are you? Yeah, going to go to Newbury first, and uh, we're going to look at the 150 race, and the one that we really like the chances of in here is called Cadillac. Uh, Jack Mitchell takes the ride for Kevin Philippart de Foy. Now, those that follow the tips that we give, Kevin Philippard Defoy normally uses Benno de la Sea Fayette or whatever his name is, yeah. his jockey, but he's got Jack Mitchell riding this one. Now, this fella ran an absolute cracker last time out in the Wolferton at uh, Royal Ascot, and he was trained by Jessica Harrington at that time, but he's trained stable since, and he's got an absolutely fantastic profile when you look through his uh, racing career. 
there's a two-year-old who won a nice Group 2 race, but he's in Van Gogh. Now, Van Gogh came out and won a Group 1 out in France the same year as that. And uh, at three years old, he won a Group 3. Now he's a four-year-old. He's already won a listed race this season. And as I said, he, he won an absolute cracker in the Wolferton at the Royal Ascot meeting. And he finished second there. And the horse that was a length and a half behind him has uh, come out and won since. So, uh, But the other thing, and what we really like about this horse, is the profile of the remainder of the runners. Now, Desert Encounters, one of them, last time out, he got beat 38 lengths. Another one in the race is Finest Sound. Last time out, he got beat 36 lengths. Uh, Tasman Bay's another one in the race. Last time out, he got beat 15 and three-quarter lengths. And it only leaves one other runner in the race, who's called Grocer Jack, who's only had two runs under William Haggis so far. But predominantly, his uh, form's all on soft and good-to-soft ground or heavy ground. Now, he's only won two races out of 16 runs so far. So when you put all of that together with the form of Cadillac's last run, 6-4 to four about Cadillac looks to be an absolute giveaway bet. So we're certainly going to be lumping on him, and uh, we'll be cheering Cadillac home in that race, I think, especially with the profile of the remainder of the runners as well. OK, let's hope you're right. Moving down to the 2.56 race at Newbury, one that I like here is a big price at the moment is Dubawi Legend. David Egan takes a ride for Hugo Palmer. Now, he won on his two-year-old debut and then he ran third to a horse called Royal Patronage. Now, Royal Patronage has come out and beaten Caribus in the Royal Lodge at Newmarket. Uh, Dubari Legend then come out and run against Native Trail and got beat two lengths. Now, Native Trail has come out and won the Craven Stakes in the 2000 Guineas since. So his form was very, very good. And then he had a trip out to America and he didn't run very well in uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile out there. This season he's come back and he's had a run in the 2000 Guineas over a mile. They then dropped him back to seven furlongs at Royal Ascot for the Jersey Stakes. And he run a fair race there. And they've now dropped him again to six furlongs. And I think that's where his ideal trip is. He's been running over distances a bit too far for the speed he, the speed he possesses early on in a race. Now, he's priced up at the moment with a few of the firms at 16 to 1 with four places on offer, which is the place I'm going to be, at, be backing him. But he's also on offer with Sky Better 12 to 1 for five places if you're a little bit edgy about how close up you think he'll finish. But I think he'll finish in the first four, and uh, as I say, 16 to 1 at the moment, and is our each way bet for the 256 race there, Dubai Legend. Right, you are. Moving over to uh, Newmarket's 322. Now, I've got a nostril hair or toe clipping of this horse, uh, Viola. We backed her last time out. She's going to be ridden by Daniel Muscat and trained by James Franshaw. Uh, as I say, we backed her last time out. She got in all sorts of trouble. She finished second behind Cee Rosa. And Cee Rosa won that by about a length and a quarter. But Viola just got no run inside the last furlong. And she she was hard held going across the winning line, full of running. Now, Cee Rosa's come out and finished second in a group two since. Uh, the form is very, very solid. And if she gets a clear run... I've got a funny feeling Viola's going to run a very, very big race. But what you've got to bear in mind is there's two three-year-olds in this race and they're both getting £10 off of the older 
Dell was in this race, so uh, just pay attention to that. But Viola's priced up at 11 to 2 with heels at the moment, and I think she's a good each way bet there. Righty up. We're going to cross the Irish Sea, and we've got three races over at the Curra. The first one we're having a look at is a 203 race, and uh, we're going with Little Big Bear. Now, we tipped him up last week, but he was a non runner. Uh, Ryan Moore takes the ride again for Aidan O'Brien, and uh, obviously back over in Ireland, he's, uh, he opened his racing profile. He's only had three races today with a second over the course and distance, and uh, he was beaten by tough talk in a photo finish. But they had a horse that we backed a couple of weeks ago called Shartash in the race, who was third. He was two and three quarter lengths behind Little Big Bear, and he's come out and won uh, two out of two since, including a very nice Group Two race. Uh, Little Big Bear then come out and absolutely hacked up at Nace in a in a maiden, which you'd expect of a horse of his class. And then he come over and uh, he won at Royal Ascot. He won the Windsor Castle at Royal Ascot. He only won in a photo finish, but he was absolutely full of running at the end of the race, and he beat a horse called Rocket Rodney. Now, we backed one of Rod Millman's uh, Cuban Mistress last week at Sandown, and Rocket Rodney beat a two and three quarters or three and three quarter length. So uh, that was very good form because Cuban Mistress held a lot of good form in that race, and Rocket Rodney made her look very, very pedestrian. Now, there's no prices on offer at the moment about Little Big Bear, but the paper price says even money. If it's even money, I, I'd be going down the bank there get as much money out as I can in the cash machine to put it on him. <laughs> so I think he'll be a little bit short of an evens, but if the evens comes up, very well worth having a bet on him there. Fill your boots then, righty-o. Fill your boots with Little Big Bear. Uh, moving down to the 310 race at the Curra, a horse that really took my eye at Royal Ascot. It was called Castle Star. Billy Lee takes a ride for Mr Stack. Uh, this horse has had seven runs today. He's won two. He's been four, uh, second four times, and he was fourth once. Now, he's never been beaten more than two lengths in any of his seven races, although, saying that, in five of the races he got beatings, he won two of them. Now, last time out, he was only beaten half a length by Perfect Power, who went off a very short price in a big race last week, but just didn't run a race at all. But, obviously, Castle Star was a little bit unlucky in that race, uh, at Royal Ascot and uh, got beat half a length by perfect power. Now we're dropping him back to five furlongs, which I think he's, he's got the speed for it. But the thing to make a note of about Castle Star, he always starts his races very slowly out the stalls. So he starts at the back of the field. So don't get concerned if he misses the break on Saturday and he's in last place coming out the stalls. That's the way that he runs and that's, that's how he goes. Again, there's no official prices, but he's priced up 9-4 to four in the paper. So uh, another one that we think is well worth having a nice bet on there. So that's Castle Star in the 310. OK. Moving down to the 345, the Irish Oaks. And I never thought we was going to be saying this again. Emily Upjohn, uh, ridden by Frankie Dettori, trained by Mr Gosden. A uh, bit of a bolt in the blue coming back last week when Mr. Gosden put Frankie back up on the horses. So uh, good on him, and it's nice to see that they're back in sync. Now, I think Emily Upjohn will bolt in in this race. She's priced up at one to two at the moment. Now, she won her first two races very easily, and then she went to the Epsom Oaks and was second beating a short head by Tuesday. And very unfortunate, she, she took a stumble or 
clipped heels or whatever happened at the start of that race, and she lost about eight to ten lengths in the Epsom Oaks. But I don't think that sort of thing is going to happen again. So the one to two looks well worth having a, a bet on if you're if you're inclined to back odds on, or she's well worth putting in the multiple bets of the weekend. So uh, the Irish Oaks, we think Emily Up John's going to be be bringing it home for the Frankie and the Gosden team. So. That's what we've got for you for the weekend, mate, and uh, hopefully we'll have a fair few winners out of M6, especially with a big price one, hopefully. Yeah, let's hope so. And I've no doubt Frankie will be looking to, uh, um, you know, prove to a few people he can still do it as well. So that'll, you know, that, yeah, that should put a bit he, on the price anyway. Yeah, he had to ride on Spiral last week, and uh, she got beat, but she was like two to two. To well, one to six for whatever price she was, and yeah. it wasn't Frankie's which she got beat. She just didn't pick a pick a feet up. Uh, mm. Hopefully, Emily Up John will pick a feet up, and Frankie and the Gosden team will have a bottle of uh, champagne to celebrate afterwards. So yeah. it'd just be nice to see them getting back in on on the groove, as I say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We all love Frankie. Let's be honest about it. So uh, good. Okay, then, Dave. Well, thanks for that, yeah. mate. Um, try not to get too hot, and I'll. Uh, Speak to you next week, I would imagine. Yeah, it'd be lovely. And hopefully everyone will keep nice and uh, safe in this heat and uh, we'll all have a good weekend. So, uh, no problem. Speak to you next week. OK, yeah. mate. Thank you very much. Well, that was Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. So that only means one thing's left. And that, of course, is Mr Colin Brown. Well, good afternoon, Colin. Uh, safely ensconced down at uh, Newbury. You keep out the sun, mind. You don't want to go have a stroke or something. Yeah, I'll be all right. Yeah, but you, you might not, yeah. but your your body might have enough of it and say, hang on a minute, and give up on you. You don't want that. Yeah, well, it does, it does. My body's um, hopefully pretty uh, used to it, I think, really. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, 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 don't mind the, I don't mind the hot weather, it's lovely. Good. So where are we going today, then? Well, let's just uh, think about going to um, Cartmel to start with for Saturday. How about that? Well, that's a, out the ordinary place, yeah. Isn't that a place that you've never been to? It certainly is. I wouldn't even have a clue where to get where it is or how to get there. Yeah, nor would I, because I've never been there either. Mm. Uh, but I should have done because I, I I should have really written there, really. But um, you know, it happens, and um, you know, sometimes jockeys don't ride on every track in the country. I, I nearly did, but didn't quite. But um, there's the William Hill. Cumbria Crystal Cup at 3.03 and what a race it is Mickey Henson's got a runner in it was a bit disappointing last time out um, and there's another uh, one or two horses that are pretty good but there's a horse that I think they really think a lot of um, and it's called Largy G number 7 and it's a horse that um, I know uh, the Noel Williams name thought a lot of it's a novice it is an 8 year old but um it won its last, was won its last two races, but one was last season. And I think that could take a bit of stopping uh, in the big one. £38,000 prize money for the jumping that day. That's not bad, is it, really? No, it's not. Definitely not. No. It, it's a long way there. But the other winner there, I think, is the 410. And it's trained by Ben Haslam. It's called Breland Daz. It won 20 days ago. And I think it will win again. Breland as it's called, trained by 
Ben has them. I, I used to, uh, excuse me, I used to ride a lot for his dad, Patrick, and he was a good guy, and he really knew how to get one ready for a race, had a few major touches, and uh, so Ben, I think a bit of that's rubbed off on him. But well, we'll go to Chesterton now, if that's okay. Yeah, fine. Um, there's one running at Chester that is trained by Hugo Palmer, so that is like the uh, Michael Owen camp, if you like. Yeah. And it is draw nine, and it's been second four times, and it probably won't win from that draw because it's such a wide draw. So I'm going to go with a horse called Blue Yonder, trained by Richard Fye. He's got Safi Osborne in the saddle, and uh, I think he could, I think this one could win. So that's the one that I'm going to go for. And what's the race? What's the one fifty nine at Chester? One fifty nine at Chester, right? Okay. Um, also at Chester, there's, uh, there's a few. It was quite a good racing at Chester, actually, to be honest. Um, but I like horses that um, you know. I know we're going to sort of act around the track. And there's also running in the three oh eight. Live the dream, but sadly, I had to wait for the draw to draw nine. And although he loves the track and he's a bit an improver, I think he'll have to be pretty good to win from the nine draw. There, he really will be. Mm -hmm. um, what else have I got at Chester? Let me see. Ooh. Um, there's a horse running in the Marlon Four Maiden there, trained by Philip Hobbs called Luxor Lad. I tell you what, he's a very good hurdler, just got beaten by. Um, by his stable companion, who's a very good horse, I can't think what it's called, no, Daly Chepstow last year, and Luxor Lad, I think, will win the 4.17. Um, trains to say by Philip Hobbs wouldn't have many jumpers, um, wouldn't have many flat horses, Tom Greeley takes the ride, um, but I think that will win there. Um, what else will win there? A winner in the last in Chester. Horse number six in the 5.30, it's called the New Marwan. It's obviously owned by Marwan Kukash, and um, it's, uh, it's also drawn one mile and two. Brian McHugh rides it, I say, that will go out and make all and win. Okay, okay. We have got, of course, uh, a couple of things to mention, like we've got the... Irish Oaks, uh, that's um, on uh, Saturday. We've got uh, Frankie Tory back riding for Gosden. What a stupid sort of situation that got itself into. Yeah. Because, to be honest, they're more lost back together. You know, how dark does that? Yeah, so, I know. There we go. But we've got some good, you know, some good classic uh, races to look forward to. And the Irish Oaks, well, Tory's over there riding Emily Upjohn that should have won our Oaks but um, came a bit wide and didn't quite get up on the post um, and I think um, I think that'll win to be honest Ryan Moore rides horse called Toy um, which was a little bit of a surprise but um, it's a really lovely race and uh, I think Emily Upjohn can win for maybe Emily Dickinson so the two Emilys in the jump on Irish Oaks Okay. Fantastic racing there. Righty ho. Yep. Good. Um, the Kildare Village Ladies Derby can go to number two. It's called Kazakh Dar Daria. Kazakh Daria. Rachel Blackmore riding on 
that's a tip in itself. Number two, Kazakh Daria. Number two in the 420. Right, we've got good racing at Newton at uh, Newton Abbey and at, um, not at Newton Abbey, at Market Race um, and of course at Newbury that's where I'll be Newbury but we'll have a quick look at Market Race and see if we can find a winner for you and I think in the um, 206 there's a horse running <clears throat> called uh, Jersey Wonder I've been talking to uh, I've been talking to Oliver Sherwood and uh, he wants to go to Stratford with it on Sunday but he thinks he's got a better chance here so it runs in the 206 Jersey Wonder at um, Market Race. Great track, Market Race, but quite a long way to go. But it's a pretty decent track um, and some good racing up there. It really is. There's a horse running in the 241, the Unibet 15 to go summer handicap hurdle. Um, there's a horse called Pisca Pike in the race. Now, he is rated about £10 higher over fences over hurdles and he could at a big price run a big race but it is a fiercely competitive race I must say well that's our friend uh, Jamie Snowden of course and he's he's been having a pretty good time at the moment has he had, oh, he's had a few winners a yeah. this week yeah he's, he's had about three placed and one, one winner I think this week he's, he's going quite well so uh, and I know he quite he quite likes this horse so uh you know, I'm not saying it's going to definitely win, but, uh, uh, you know, put it this way, he's quite confident about it and his horses are running well. So, you know, that should be a tip in itself, really, shouldn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely right. And he's a lovely guy, Jamie. He drove me out of Stratford last week, which was kind of it. Yeah. So uh, I went up in a horse box, came back with Jamie Stoke, dropped me off right outside the door. And, and Mary, if you're listening, that's the sort of friends we mix with, isn't it, AD? You know, mm. nice, kind, lovely people like Mary that look after me uh, up and down the race courses if I haven't got a driver. Uh, right, well, fair enough. Um, this you is the race. trouble with you, really. You do, you do need looking after, don't you? Well, I should have thought you could employ Mary as a driver. Yeah, no, Mary, actually, one thing she doesn't do, she does a lot of very, very good things, and she's absolutely marvellous, but she doesn't drive her, doesn't she? Well, you, you're trying to tell me she hasn't got a Ferrari, then? Well, I think she might have now, after listening to your racing show. You never know. <laughs> she's just had her drive done that. Maybe she's got a Ferrari on the drive. Yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know, do you? Let's go to Newbury. That's where I'll be. And um, there's uh, there's talk about um, not very good prize money at Newbury. So all the trainers are boycotted the Stonegate Home Phillies race, where uh, where there's no runners in that race at all. Mm, I read about it in the paper. They've got the, go. they've got the ump big time, haven't they? They've got the ump big time. Right, yeah. I'm going to find you a winner or two because that's where I'll be. And in the 221, the Clare Castle Gin Cup as a handicap, I think there's a horse that could just go and win this. It's a horse that's um, got pretty good form actually over the years. And he is called Withhold. Course and distance winner trained by Harry and Roger Chop. James Doyle takes a ride. I think that one will take the beating, I can tell you. He's a horse that's um, 
I think um, far from finishing, he's a nine-year-old. You know, I think he's got a bit of improvement still left in him, and I think he'll take the beating. Um, in the Weatherby Super Sprint, what a race this is! Um, and it's difficult to know which one the Richard Hammond's lot are going to win it. But apart from that, you know, there's some real good horses in there. Well, of course, uh, my friend—they're all coming on today, aren't they? Um, Rod Melvin's got two runners in there, and uh, what did he say? Yeah, uh, he's he's quite. You know, he said obviously there's two or three some really good horses in there. Richard Allen's got three, hasn't he? I think, but yeah. um, but uh, which is the one he said to me yesterday? He thinks that Woolhampton is probably the just a whisker better than the other one, which is called right. Safari Dream. Okay. So, funnily enough, I, if you're coming to Newbury from Reddingway, Woolhampton is a village just down the road. Oh, right. So um, that is funny. Yeah, Woolhampton. Go for Woolhampton, listeners, a little each way. I'm going to go... I am going to go for a horse um, of uh, David O'Meara. It's called Maria Branwell. It's... Uh, Quite highly thought of. Two races, it's one third last time. I think that would take the beating. Well, of course, just to, to enhance what I said about Rod Milman's runners, Rod, of course, did have the winner of this race, not last year, but the year before. He didn't own it himself, or his wife did, so yes. not bad. They got about 100,000 yeah. quid. Yeah, so, uh, you know. Someone chopped the old pension up with. Yeah. In the 405 there, I'm going to go for Julia Augusta. I think that'll win number three. Um, She's pretty smart, trained by Varian. She's unbeaten in two races, and I think she will win. And um, and that is me, listeners, I'm afraid. I've got no more good information for you. Well, that's not bad for start. Three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen runners. That's, that's you know, that's, you must surely you can get a couple of winners out of that lot. Let's hope we get a couple of winners out of that lot, Ace. I yeah. think we will do, mate. Definitely, in, in, in the, you know, the nice weather, you can go and have a pint then, and uh, since you're not driving, you haven't got to worry about that, have you? No, that's true, I can just drink and eat. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, Get married and do my work. And of course we know that you do do a lot of that. Well... E uh, e eat it, I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't do too much eating. <laughs> um, but, but what do you think about these uh, whip rule changes, then? Well...
and they go, right, we'll inquire into that, we'll see the jockeys. But they still come in and weigh in for the race, bookmakers pay out. But with the new rules, you won't be able to weigh in. You will just have to wait for the you have to wait for the result uh, of the um, who who gets disqualified, who gets fined, who doesn't get disqualified. And the bookmakers are going mad because they want to pay out or keep the money and move on to the next race. So I think they should have given it some thought. I think they should have said, right, we'll, we'll use it in the backhand. They're allowed to hit those five five little taps. And the sticks are very light. It's just they really don't hurt. And I promise you that. You know, horse welfare, etc., etc. They should be able to just give it three or four or five taps. And then if you hit it one more, you get fined a grand. Hit it two over, get fined two grand. Hit it three over, you get fined three grand so on and so forth people jockeys will soon get to know and turn it over the forearm you get fine five grand or something and then they'll soon not do it and then we can get the racer over we can weigh the jockeys in easy but as it is it's all too like flimsy and fluid and yeah it's going to be a problem that's me that's me right well fair enough um that's your take on it and we respect that um Looking at the flat racing situation generally, though, it's, it's sort of roughly half half time, isn't it, really? It's about six six months into it or whatever. Um, what, what are your, your standout sort of moments of the season so far? Standout moments? Well, there's been a few, really. I mean, I think we might just see a few of these um, uh, progress into Goodwood Week, really, because, you know, Emily Upjohn should have won the Oaks. She didn't. Um, Stradivari should have won at uh, Ling, uh, wherever it was, Ascot, and didn't. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those couple of horses that have been a bit unlucky come through with. Obviously, Goodwood, I've been glorious Goodwood in a couple of weeks' time. You've got the late lights of Bade. I mean, he is just electric. He'll win the King George there. But it's more of a sort of just, more of a, you know, just get along there and watch him win rather than a betting proposition. Yeah. Well, odds on. But he, he's exceptional. I haven't seen any two-year-olds in this country that have been absolutely exceptional yet. So maybe we've got the best to come. I don't know. But um, on the whole, I think, you know, we've had, yeah, some good Royal Ascot racing. There's too much racing. I was yeah. at Ascot last uh, uh, Saturday. And, you know, I was doing Ascot TV with Hayley Moore. And there was some nice attractions there and a nice day. But it was the third... You know, it was the third less meeting on the day. You know, it was a lesser meeting by three, by two other meetings. And there's too much racing. It's madness. Well, of course, there's six races today, isn't there? Six meetings, yeah. I should say, today. Yeah. You oh, know. We've got eight races at Newbury. It's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Okay, then, Colin. Take care, listeners. Take care, AD. Bye, Larry. And lots of love. Okay, we'll speak to you next week. Toodle pip. Toodle pip. Well done, mate. All sorted. Lovely. Well, thanks, old son. I've got to rush and go in because I'm a little bit late, really. Yeah, go on. You... But listen, everything's good, and we'll catch up next week, old sausage. Have a nice weekend. All right, mate. we Will do. Speak to you soon. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Right, well, that was Mr Colin Brown with a few selections for you and his opinion on the whip situation. And basically, that's the end of the show. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed I hope you've got a few winners 
and enjoy the racing tomorrow and obviously all this lovely sunny weather and we'll catch up with you again same time same station next week <laughs>